Hello, friends. Welcome to Resting Church Face, a podcast. I am your host, Amanda Allen, and this is episode 32. This week, we are going to revisit a topic we talked about in episode 15, which was on people-pleasing. We are going to talk in this episode about advocating for ourselves, which for people-pleasers and recovering people-pleasers is so hard. So sit back, relax, maybe give yourself a really good pep talk in the mirror or the shower, and let's get started. So I am, like I have said before, a recovering people-pleaser. It is something I've struggled with since I was a kid. I still struggle with it. And I think my first instinct will always be that of someone who wants people to like her and wants to, you know, not rock the boat. And in episode 15, when I talked about people pleasing, I talked a lot about what makes someone have this drive to be seen as perfect and having it all together and, you know, not making people upset, being likable. I talked a lot about that, but I didn't really talk about the thing that happens inside of all of us that are people pleasers when we have to advocate for ourselves. And for me personally, I think this is the hardest part of being someone who is trying not to be a people pleaser. I think in the big areas, you know, walking away from relationships that aren't good for me, saying no to things I don't want to do, getting out of situations that aren't healthy for me. I think I've done pretty well in those areas in the past couple of years. I'm happy with the progress that I've made. But when a situation arises where I know that I need to stand up for myself, you know, times when someone has blatantly disrespected me or they're asking, you know, too much of me or not enough of me, or I've been overlooked, or, you know, they're asking me to do something that is outside the realm of what I should be doing in my job, you know, et cetera, et cetera. There is something inside of me that just cringes because I don't like confrontation when it comes to myself. It's really funny. I feel like, and I was saying this to one of my friends the other day, if it's on behalf of somebody else, if I feel like somebody else has been slighted or, you know, been wronged and I love that person, I have no problem with jumping in the fray and being like, listen here. But if it's me, it's a whole different story. So in this episode, I want to talk about why we do these things. Why am I the way that I am, right? But why do we feel the need to downplay our own importance and not stand up for ourselves when we need to? I want to talk about why we do it. I want to talk about the dangers of continuing to let people walk all over us, and how we stop. And, you know, all of this will be, as they say, preaching to the choir, because these are things that I need to continually practice in my own life and remember, because I am not an expert at this, and I mess up a lot. But let's unpack it, as they say in the therapy world, and let's talk about it. I think one of the biggest reasons that we have a hard time standing up for ourselves is that we have this real fear of disappointing people. For so many years, I prided myself on being the kind of person that could do everything. And this was in all aspects of my life. If it was at church and I was, you know, already on the worship team, 
I would say yes if they wanted me to help in children's church. I would say yes if they wanted me to do vacation Bible school. I would say yes if I needed to chaperone a youth trip. I would say yes if they needed me to work in the nursery. It just would go on and on because I wanted to be that can-do person. And I would do this in my jobs too. So I would say yes if they would give me this responsibility. And then two weeks later, if they gave me another one when I wasn't really done with the first one, you know, but I didn't want to say, hey, I don't think I can take all that on because I didn't want them to see me as weak. I didn't want to disappoint them. And then same thing in relationships. I didn't want to make them feel like I couldn't handle what they were giving me. And there are a lot of reasons that I think you know, in our past that we feel like we have to be this way, but it's so harmful (laughs) because a lot of times I would say yes to so many things. And I had gotten to the point, especially in jobs where I did not know what I was doing. (laughs) Like I had no idea what they were asking me to do. And this makes me think about seventh grade. And I think that if I had been aware of myself more, but who is in seventh grade? Or if someone else had noticed this, I think it was the first sign that something was was going wonky. Something was awry. So we had seventh grade pre-algebra with Mr. Waits. And up until this point, I was okay at math. I hadn't really encountered anything I didn't understand. I didn't like math, but I understood it. But at some point in seventh grade, we had a lesson on perimeter like, you know, how to add up all the sides, which, you know, it sounds really simple. And, you know, they would give you a missing side and you had to figure out how much that was and get the perimeter. I don't know what happened. (laughs) And I still remember sitting exactly where I was sitting in class. I was sitting behind my friend Bridget and he's explaining perimeter and everybody else around me gets it. I can tell they all understand. I did not understand this, but I was too embarrassed to say, I don't get this. And I didn't want to be seen as stupid and as someone who didn't understand math because, you know, the only thing I felt like I had going for me at that point was being slightly intelligent. (laughs) I felt like that was all I had. So I did not want to say, hey, I don't get this. And you guys, I'm going to be very honest with you. I never fully understood it. I never got perimeter. And I know you all are hearing this and thinking, you just add up the sides. Look, I'm 43 now. I understand, sort of. But I did not get it at all. I just pretended that I did. So every question that pertained to perimeter, I didn't get right. And if I did get it right, it was a very lucky guess. But then when we got into eighth grade and we started having to do like finding the area of things and small geometry things, I didn't understand how to do any of it because I had missed that first step. And so by the time I got to high school geometry, I was lost. I had no business being in some of these classes because I did not know the the foundation of what I was doing. And it all goes back to seventh grade when I had too much pride to say, I don't understand this. And so if I think we're really honest with ourselves when we get into these situations where we've gotten ourselves overwhelmed, it's pride, right? There is some level of of pride in ourselves that we don't want to admit that we can't do it all or that we don't understand. We need someone to stop, backtrack a little bit and help us. But to do that, we have to admit that there is a less than perfect aspect to our personality. We have to admit a little bit of weakness. And that is so hard. 
for people pleasers. It just is. It just, it grates upon us. It goes against everything that we feel like we are as, as people. But of course, the irony of it is that if we continue to let things pile up and we say yes to things that we don't fully understand or that we can't handle, at some point, it all falls apart. And it's way worse. And then we look really, frankly, bad, right? We we disappoint people in a big way because everything falls apart all at once and it's spectacular. We have some sort of a breakdown and then we have to explain all of what led up to this falling through. And, you know, the people that are listening are like, why didn't you just say that in the first place? Why have you gone so long pretending. So in another way, we're also lying, right? We're pretending that we have things together when we absolutely do not. And so especially I think in jobs and careers, this is really, really dangerous. The next reason that I think we tend to not be honest about the way that we're feeling and not stand up for ourselves is in relationships. And it's when we like someone a lot and we don't want to, again, there is an aspect of disappointment, but it's really that we're afraid that if we are honest and we actually say how we feel, that we're going to make them not like us anymore and it will change everything. This has been such a fatal flaw for me in especially potentially romantic relationships. If I like a guy a lot, sometimes I have this fear that if I am too needy or like other girls or call him out on things, that he is going to say, you are not worth it and walk away. And, you know, the truth is that if he thinks that, then obviously he is not a guy that I should be pursuing. But the voice that I hear in my head is, don't say anything. Just pretend it's okay. Because the reason that he likes you is that you are the way you are, that you have been cool with everything. You know, if he canceled plans last minute, I'd be like, cool, that's fine. When inside, I'm like, oh, why? You know, or if he embarrassed me in public or ignored me or said something hurtful and then, you know, later would bring it up or try to laugh it off, I would laugh with him and be like, oh, it's fine. It's no big deal. When inwardly, I'm really upset and I would stew about it for weeks. So it's just not healthy, but it's also a part of me being ashamed of who I am as a person. And not thinking enough of myself to to realize that I should be treated a certain way, that I should be respected in a relationship, that my needs should be met. I can't just always be meeting everybody else's needs because I want them to like me. And of course, you know, I can't go an episode without bringing up the holiday at some point. But, you know, and I think I've mentioned this before, that when Iris Simpkins, you know, Kate Winslet at the end, is having her big a light bulb moment and she's talking to Jasper Bloom and she tells him, I was always too in love with you to ever be mad at you. So I punished myself. That has been me to a T. And I know a lot of other people that feel this way. Sometimes when we like someone so much, we want them to like us so much back. Like we want them to, you know, to feel that same way 
that we will overlook the things that they do that make us mad, that hurt our feelings, that put us down, because we are blinded in some way. We want them to not be upset. We don't think we don't want things to change. And so we will just ignore bad habits. And again, that is super dangerous because we are entering into relationships with false expectations. You know, the person that we like or that we love is getting a version of us that is not real. And just like in the job situations, that is going to fall apart. At some point, you are going to blow up. And if you're like me, (laughs) I will let things simmer and simmer and simmer, and then I will completely overreact to something small. And the person is like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, it wasn't that big a deal. And of course, it wasn't that big a deal. But for me, it's months of built up annoyance and hurt feelings and anger have all just come, you know, spewing out of me like Mount Vesuvius. And then I begin to see him in a different light, right? I begin to look back on the months of annoyance and realize that there were so many things that I should have said, hey, this isn't cool. Don't treat me that way. And I start to see him in a different light. And then, of course, he is now seeing me in a different light because I seem insane. But, you know, part of it is my fault because I didn't stand up for myself in the beginning. So why would he have thought that it was a problem, right? So that also super dangerous. last reason I think that we have a hard time advocating for ourselves is that we all have a version of ourselves that we are comfortable with. And this version of ourselves is what we're known for, for most of our lives. And we are really afraid that if we stand up for ourselves, if we create a scene in our minds, even though it's probably not a scene, but if we say anything and make someone potentially upset at us, that the opinion of people who have known this this version of us, all of a sudden that version is going to change. And now we are a troublemaker or now we are a squeaky wheel. Now we're a problem person. One of the things I also talked about in episode 15 about people pleasing was the church that I used to attend when I was in um, some a leadership role and the things that happened there. And one of the things that I had such a hard time with is that I began to feel like people were beginning to see me as a problem. That when I would enter the building, when I would enter a room, I felt like people internally were like, here she is again. And I was annoying them, you know? And the version of myself that I had introduced to them was changing. And I felt real shame in that, even though, you know, looking back, I had nothing to feel ashamed of. I hadn't done anything wrong, but the perfect facade had cracked and people saw it. And I felt deeply unsettled by that. It's also part of the reason that it took me so long to admit that I needed mental health help. (laughs) And, you know, it took me so long to go to the doctor and admit that I had a problem because I didn't want anybody to know that I couldn't handle everything. And again, looking back, one of my biggest regrets from that whole church situation is that I don't feel like many people got to know the real me because I was so consumed with being good and capable and perfect and and cheerful 
that I never let anybody into that that real me circle, right? I never let anybody in to see any vulnerable side of myself because I was afraid that if they got to know the real me, they weren't going to like me. And again, that is a people-pleasing problem. It's because I had problems with myself. I didn't think that people were going to like me. And I don't know exactly what it was in my past that caused me to feel this way. I have some ideas, but I think at some point I decided that having weaknesses or problems or struggles or needing help was annoying, that it was a problem, that people weren't going to want to deal with me if I was just honestly human, right? When I was in college, a guy told me once, you're just the most cheerful person I've ever met. Every time I see you, you're just happy. And at the time, I was like, mission accomplished, right? This is the best compliment you could give me. Because I was really good at pretending to be really happy. And I wasn't cheerful all the time, you know? I was struggling a lot of the time, especially in college. I mean, who isn't struggling in college at some point? But I had learned how to, you know, get out of the car and put on the resting church face (laughs) um, and pretend that everything was just great. And of course, by acting that way and thinking that way, I was doing such a disservice to myself. And of course, looking back, it's a lot easier to see that than it is when you are in the moment because in the moment, you think you're doing the right thing, but you're setting yourself up for a lot of heartache. So now that we have talked a little bit about why we do those things, why we don't stand up for ourselves, why we pretend to be a different kind of person, why is it really dangerous? We've said that it's dangerous, but what are some of the end results of continuing that behavior? And one of the biggest consequences, I think, is that we don't achieve the personal goals that we've set for ourselves. I I've said this before, and I do believe this. There is no expiration date on dreams. I think it is never too late to pursue the thing that you are called to do. You know, you can be in your 40s, your 50s, your 60s and above. As long as there is air in your lungs and God is allowing you to live, you can work on that dream. But I think that we defer them unnecessarily a lot of times. Because we are afraid to ask for what we want. We're afraid to stand up for ourselves. We're afraid to be vulnerable. We are afraid to say no. And when we keep doing that, we are pushing ourselves farther and farther from where we want to be until finally it it seems like, you know, an insurmountable gulf that we have to cross, an ocean we have to get past, which we can And I don't want you to think that I think you can't because I think, again, we can do anything we want to do, but we make it harder. And I think that that is a big consequence. Another undesirable result is that we end up getting respect from people that we don't respect. You know, so many times we are trying to earn favor and make people like us that we don't like. 
that we don't want in our lives. And if, if it were up to us, we would not hang out with these people. We would not associate with them. But as people pleasers, there's something inside of us that if somebody doesn't like you or you feel like they don't respect you, we're like, we're going to make you like us. Rather than sometimes being like, you know what? Not worth it. It's not worth it. Walk away. Because you don't need respect from people that you don't respect. And that is a lesson that has been really hard for me to learn. But, you know, the problem with gaining respect from those you don't respect is the people that you do respect, you're not spending time with. You're not cultivating relationships that are helpful and beneficial and make life worth living. You are going to end up being around people that you're miserable with. And it's just no way to live. And then piggybacking off that, we are missing out on real connection, real love, real friendship, because we're not letting people in. When we don't tell people that we have problems, we don't tell them that we need and expect better from them, we don't allow for relationships to evolve and grow and become something more. And everything becomes acquaintance relationships. And you know what I'm talking about. We all have those people in our lives that we're friendly with, but we're not really friends. And if we're not careful and we don't open ourselves up to vulnerable, honest relationships, we can have a ton of acquaintance relationships. And that leads to loneliness and isolation, which just makes everything harder. So where do we begin? How do we start to advocate for ourselves when we have a hard time doing it? How do we begin to ask for help for what we need when it's a struggle? How do we tell people to start treating us better when that's a really tough thing for us to do? I think the first way to just start doing this and putting it into practice is trying to get comfortable with disappointing people. And it, guys, I know, if you are struggling with people-pleasing, this is maybe the hardest thing to do. (laughs) But the truth is, you cannot juggle everybody's expectations. And you've heard this. I know you've heard this. If you're on social media at all, you see it all the time. You cannot please everybody. You just can't do it. And if you are juggling all those expectations, at some point, you're going to drop all of them. And you are going to disappoint people that really mean a lot to you because you're neglecting them when you're trying to maintain everything else. And so we need to ask ourselves, if this person's opinion of me does change because I am asking for something for myself or I am telling them something that I need, does it matter? Do I want this person in my life if they react badly? Does it change fundamental things about my life if they say no, you know, or if they get upset at me, which is, again, a hard thing. But once you begin to get a little more comfortable with knowing that everybody may not be happy with you all the time, it gets easier. It really does. It feels very adult to have a conversation where you disagree with someone in a kind way. And, you know, if they fly off the deep end, it's also a way of seeing who they really are. And it tells you everything you need to know. But you'll never see those things if you don't put yourself out there 
and say the thing you need to say. Disagree with the person if you need to. Ask for the raise. Tell them that they're not treating you appropriately. And if they're disappointed in you, oh, well. And it's a thing that I probably struggle with the most out of everything that we've been talking about. But it is a necessary first step. Secondly, sometimes you don't need to say anything for a little bit. When someone says something to you that just, you know, rubs you the wrong way, hurts your feelings, makes you upset, take a minute, gather your thoughts. Don't be so quick to be like, it's fine. It's okay. Or no worries. You know, I I know you didn't mean it that way because sometimes they did mean it that way. And you need to say that. You need to say, "Mm, I think you might've meant it that way, but take a second, gather yourself. You know, they always tell you to not send an email when you're angry or to not, talk when you're upset, having, you know, difficult conversations when you're really emotional. And that is true because I think it's the opposite effect for people pleasers because sometimes when we are really upset, we will downplay it. Our instinct is to pretend it's fine when it's not. And sometimes we need to sit with something and be like, you know what, this is a moment for me to actually say, hey, that's not okay. And by taking that time, you can craft it, (laughs) craft the sentence in your head. You can make it in a way that feels comfortable to you. You can say it in a way that is also respectful and kind, but it's a way to start practicing being honest and being okay with the emotions that you feel and validating those because the people that like you and respect you in any relationship that you have should be okay with you having feelings about the things that they have said or done. So take a moment, if it's a couple hours, if it's five minutes, take a moment, take a beat, and then respond. This has changed so much for me because I, you know, my instinct again is always to be like, it's okay. Sometimes it's not okay. And it is okay to say that. Thirdly, I think it's really beneficial to approach every situation from the perspective of the future. You know, we we get preached at so much to live in the moment, which, yes, we all should be, you know, enjoying things in the present. But I think a lot of the time we do not take time to think about what we are working towards and what next week is going to look like or two weeks from now or 10 years from now. And I think that if we approach things from a goal-oriented way of thinking, we are a little more comfortable with pursuing the things that we need to pursue in order to get there, which means if you need to ask for more money in your job or you need to take some time off so you can actually implement the things that you really want to do, you start being able to figure out how to do that. And it feels less needy and more necessary. And I think this also applies to relationships because when we think about relationships with the future in mind, if someone is treating you badly or you're not getting what you need in a relationship, think about how that relationship is going to look in five years. Is it what you want? If it's going to put you in a really bad place and you're not going to be happy, then you need to change it now. You don't need to be too easygoing. You don't need to be so laid back and worried that they're not going to react well. Say it now. Fix it now. Because that will save you so many problems in the future. And finally, 
we need to try to realize that we are all much more lovable than we think we are. For people pleasers, this is tough because a lot of us have got a sort of force field around ourselves. We've been hurt a couple times in some ways, right? We've let people in at some point and they have disappointed us. They've walked away, they've rejected us and we were like, never again, you know, we're not gonna let that happen again. And so we're going to be what everybody else needs. And it's hard to see ourselves the way that everybody else sees us. But I have a way that makes it a little bit easier. And so this is what I want you to do. Go to your parents' house, because that's probably where it is, and get out your baby album. Get out an album, a, f- a picture album, not an Instagram album, but an actual, you know, when they took pictures of you as a child that they had printed off at Kmart and they put in those brown leather photo albums that almost every parent has. If, if you're listening to this and you're a teenager, it may be on Instagram, but that's okay. You know, if that's the way you need to do it, but go back and find pictures of yourself as a child. Look at how adorable you are. I have a really close friend who has kids that are entering into that tween stage. You know, they're not kids, but they're not teenagers. They're kind of in that middle, you know, middle school awkward phase. And they are becoming insecure about things that they perceive as flaws. But she was telling me that these are the very things that she loves the most, that she kind of grieves about seeing disappear because they are so cute. Look at pictures of yourself. Look at the way that your parents are looking at you. Look at the way that relatives look at you. Look at the way that you look at you. If you didn't know that that was you, how would you react to a child? I look at pictures of myself and I see somebody else, right? I see an innocence that, you know, I I may not have anymore, but there is a, a cute kid there that I had kind of lost sometimes. And I think we all need to realize that that kid in those photo albums is still you. You're taller and you have better vocabulary, but that person, that core human being is still inside of you. And you are depriving the world of the adorable part of you that people want to love. You are missing out on the blessing when you don't let people in. You're not letting them love you unconditionally. And I think the danger in not letting people in so much is that we begin to believe that conditional love isn't a real thing when it absolutely is because the people that love you, love you for all of the things that you are, not just the perfect parts. So if you're listening to this and seeing yourself as lovable is hard for you and it makes you feel like you're not worth asking for more or standing up for yourself or being treated with respect, I want you to go right now and find that picture and realize that that kid in that picture is you, no matter who you are, and they're worth it. You would never tell a child they weren't worth everything that they need and and deserve. You wouldn't tell them that. Why are you telling it to yourself? We all deserve love and we all deserve to be treated as well as we can be. And it is okay to ask for it. (music) 
All right, guys, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for hanging out with me again this week and for following and subscribing and telling your friends about the podcast. If you have a few minutes to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, that would be so amazing. It just helps other people find the podcast. If you would like to find me on Instagram, it's super easy. I'm at Resting Church Face. I hope you have a fantastic week and let's get together again soon.